Well, now that I've cleared up space in my laptop, welcome back. This is Real When Shared with me and only me until I finally get some guests on here. <laughs> and they are coming, I swear. I have people who have said yes to me. I just don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm getting annoying, pestering people, but we will have guests this season. It is my goal. It's going to happen. Anyway, episode 19, let's go. What's interesting is I woke up today and I was like, nah, I'm not going to talk about acting. So I was going to do that. And then I was dead set on, I was going to talk about my experience with social anxiety, which will come maybe next week. I don't know yet. <laughs> I feel like as the day comes when I'm recording, things change. So I woke up and I was like, hmm, what episode am I on? And I saw I was on number 19. And I was like, oh, I have to talk about this because it's number 19. I can't, I can't not talk about it. It just lines up perfectly. It has to be the 19th episode just because uh, I remember birthdays, okay? It's not weird to remember your very first love's birthday. His birthday was June 19th. I'm not going to forget that. And it's episode 19. I just, it has to. It just, it's in the cards. The universe told me to do it. So that's the story I'm telling today. <laughs> On a very quick side note, I realized I said his birthday was June 19th. Isn't that interesting? Like his birthday is June 19th. I'm pretty sure he's still alive. He didn't die. But the loss of someone, the loss that you go through with heartbreak and someone you've loved so much, it feels like a death, right? So I guess subconsciously I'm like, oh, he, it was, you know, it was a past thing. It was his birthday. He's no longer here. So weird. Okay. <laughs> now I'm going to start. Where do I start? Okay, so I don't want this to be too long and then you get bored like halfway through. <laughs> bored in the house and I'm in the house bored. Um, why is that in my head? So do I tell like the story of like how we met and everything or is that even, that's not even really relevant, is it? You guys want to hear the juicy stuff of how we broke up and all and how that led to the downfall of my 20s. You know, it was the catalyst to, to why everything crumbled. It really is. That's, it, yeah. Um, maybe I'll give you like a brief rundown, like, you know, how long we dated all that stuff. And then I'll talk about the night or the few days of when my heart got crushed. Yeah, that's, that's what's happening. Okay. So we met, when was it? It was, I was turning 19 years old. So I met him when I was 18. It was a new year's Eve party and it was 2008 going into 2009, and that January 2009, I was turning 19, so I met him when I was 18, um, and I met him at that New Year's Eve party, and right away, I was drawn to both him and his friend. They were both good-looking in my eyes, but I guess the darker-haired fella, his friend, um, was more... Uh, he was more forward, so I was. I ended up chatting with him instead that night and making out with his best friend that night instead of him. Um, but the whole time at the back of my head, I was like, oh, dang, I wish that light, light-haired, light like, blue-eyed guy... Uh, God, do I say his name? I feel like it, it's obvious now who it is. It's Mike, okay? 
His name is Mike. There's so many Mikes in the world. Who is it? I'm not going to say his last name. I, but the whole time in the back of my head as I was like hanging out with his best friend, I was like, oh, I wish it was Mike who, who I'm kissing right now and all that stuff. And lucky for me, he, um, he, I guess he was like hell bent on getting with me that I don't know what he did, but he convinced his best friend to back off me and we started chatting on MSN. Oh my God. Good old days. <laughs> Whew, I don't know why I'm out of breath and sweating. I just had to take off a sweater. <laughs> also that night though, I did talk to Mike for a little bit and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this guy has the energy that I love. Like he was just like kind of bubbly and smiley. And I love that. I love when a guy can just smile and be, I don't know. I just like outgoing guys as well. And well, that made sense that our energies matched because he's a Gemini. I'm an Aquarius, both air signs. Anyway, you're probably not into astrology. I am. <laughs> anyway, we get chatting on MSN and you can just, you know, when you're like talking to someone and like automatically you can just be yourself and say whatever you want. That's how it was with Mike and I. It was like instant connection instant best friends and I remember he the first time we ever hung out he came from his residence like an hour away to my residence we were both in university and that very first night that we hung out um, we were drinking on my floor in my residence and we clicked and like ever since that night we were inseparable and we talked non-stop and yeah so we were best friends from the very beginning instant connection. It was, I was in La La Land. Everything was just, oh, rose, looking through rose colored glasses. As I'm thinking about this, I'm like, whew, there's actually so much that happened between when we started dating, which was three days after my birthday, until nearly a, a year later when my life cr crumbled. Like, I just wanted to... <laughs> tell a, a bit of a backstory and get to, you know, the nitty gritty of the breakup and stuff. But there's actually so much that happened. Like the fact that I don't know what to do. I'm so conflicted right now. <laughs> what to tell you guys. <laughs> Maybe I'll tell you a little bit, but like he was even friends with like this. <sighs> I am sorry. I apologize if you're not this way anymore. I don't remember your name actually. So probably a good thing. He was friends with this douchebag who had like loyalty or something tattooed down his hip towards his penis and he had blonde hair and he was just like such a bad influence like completely a douchebag he had douchebaggy friends which I feel like influenced the way he saw me and influenced his decisions and his best friend as well that dark-haired guy from New Year's Eve was also a douchebag and influenced his decisions and you know what they say, you're, you're most like the people you hang around with. But with me, he was just, it was like a dream. But then I like would start hearing things like he would tell his friends stuff that I didn't want him to share. And it just got really like, I don't know, like I don't even know if he cheated on me. At one point I thought he was cheating on me. And I was scared because I was falling so strongly and so hard for this guy. And at the same time, I was like, does he feel the same way? Does he feel as deeply for me as I do for him? And I think in the beginning, or I don't know when exactly, <laughs> but I know there was a time when we both thought, shit, we found our human 
that we want to be with so early and that means we can't see anybody else. And I didn't know if I was ready for that in the very beginning. I don't think he was ready for that ever, actually, the whole time. But when I started feeling like, okay, I love him, that's when I would like, this is cheesy, but back in the day, I guess this is what people did. We did this anyway. I put a picture of us or a picture of him or something on the background of my phone. Like, I was like, this is, I'm actually like serious about you. I, like, I don't want anyone else when people, when guys talk to me in bars, I tell them, hey, I have a boyfriend, like, right away, blah, blah, blah. I don't think, though, that he, I think in his mind, he was always like, oh, there could be someone out there. Because I think his friends told him, you know what, like, don't throw all your eggs in one basket, just be careful kind of kind of thing. But I know that he felt, I knew he loved me. But I think he was so influenced by his friends and the people around him and the, you know, the environment of being in university or college and all of that fun stuff but like he wrote songs for me and like his own songs he wrote them and wrote his music and played them for me and sent them to me and (laughs) actually the first summer we dated he broke it off with me and I'm not even sure why it was like really random and I was really hurt It didn't last long. It lasted like a week because he begged me to take him back. You know what he did as he begged me to take him back? (laughs) Also, just FYI, I think laughing is kind of like, what do you call it? You know when like you've you've felt hurt or something in the past and you're just like, you laugh over it. Like it's almost like a defense mechanism. Is that what I'm looking for? Anyway, I don't like talking about this stuff because it's like my, ugh. So I have like little nervous giggles, but hold on. So we go, he asks me to go for a drive. I think that was also something I just loved was just going for drives with him. Anyway, we go for a drive and I think we like park under a bridge or something. I can't remember. And he has his guitar with him and he wrote a song. And okay. It's so interesting. Music has such a huge impact on you like you associate certain songs with certain memories and things like that and this song will always like it always just replays in my head like sometimes I'll just be going about my day and his song with the lyrics pops in my head and I'll be singing and I'm like what the hell (laughs) go away this is more than 10 years ago now (laughs) but for some reason when I want to record this dang pong pong this is a pong cast (laughs) I can't remember the lyrics. Do I look up his music? Maybe I should look at my emails. Oh my God. I don't know why I'm laughing about this right now. It just like thinking about the whole thing just seems so ridiculous. Like I can't believe everything I've gone through in my life. And yes, I still have the emails because back in the day, I couldn't I couldn't fathom deleting all of that stuff and I think I don't know what my parents have done with it actually because I don't talk to them but I made this box and I threw everything in it that he gave to me or anything associated with Mike went in this box and I remember writing on it in permanent big black marker I wrote do not ever open unless you are happily married with kids and here I am today at 34 
single as fuck, no kids. I don't even want kids anymore. So I'm never going to open that box. I don't even know if it still exists, but the email still exists. I didn't even know they did until like a few weeks ago. I was trying to clean out my laptop and I was like, whoa, why are these here? So, um, BRB, I'm going to go do some, some searching. I'm a mess. I confess. I am nothing without you. (laughs) Those are the lyrics that keep popping in my head randomly throughout my life. (laughs) Leave me alone. (laughs) Also, I did not find the song, but I found old emails and in one of them was a conversation. Guys, I feel so bad for young me. I didn't know any better. Like, why did I take him back? The things he was saying to me, it's like an old MSN conversation. I guess he, uh, we were broken up in September because this conversation happened in October. And I was like, all of last month I've been crying. I've been hurt so bad. I love you so much. It hurts. And he was like saying that he's made a mistake and he shouldn't. He was even saying in the conversation, he shouldn't let others tell him what to do. And he's like, I'm not going to fuck up anymore. I can't lose you again. I love you. Blah, blah, blah. Oh my God. I believed him, you guys. And then he ends up doing it again, but for real this time, like right before New Year's. Oh, this is so painful to go back and read. (laughs) I can't believe I'm crying right now over something that happened so long ago. It's because I haven't, I guess, seen these words or someone say these things to me in so long. And also because at the time I truly, truly believed them. And I feel so bad for myself that I believed them. And after believing these words, he still went and did what he did. And in the manner that he did it, which I will get to, but like, okay, I'm going to read you what he said. And like, if you're young and this is your first love and you hear someone like, well, not here, but someone, someone is saying these words to you, like you love this person, you you're gonna believe them. Oh my god. So um let me whip up this conversation. <laughs> Just to be clear, um I am crying for my younger self right now. Like I just it it pains me that I went through this and I I heard these things and young me just Okay, I'm just gonna read them. So So we had just gotten back together after he broke up with me for no reason. He said he was a fucking mess and, I don't know, other people were controlling his life. He was letting other people get in the way, whatever. Anyway, so we're having this conversation. And this is what he says. He says, I want to do it right. I want to love you. I want to marry you. I want to be there for you always until the day we die. I was constructed for you and you were molded for me exactly. We are not throwing that away. And I said, I just wish I knew that I was yours for good now. And he says, you will know that. You will know it well before I slide that diamond ring on your finger. (laughs) And then I say, I can't wait to marry you so I know I'm officially yours. And he says, you are already officially mine. And he says, I love you so much. I haven't cried this hard in a very long time. I'm not going to read the rest, but... My gosh, I can't even comprehend how someone can say those words to somebody, all of those words, truly mean it, 
and cry real tears and then have zero emotion and then just throw it all away. He literally said he doesn't want to throw what we have away. Those words, like, oh my gosh, it sounds believable, right? Typical fucking Gemini's. I swear to God. Ugh. They know how to manipulate someone. Like, you knew what you were doing with your words. I can't, I don't even know anymore if those were real words. I can't even believe it. He was talking like that? Like, I knew we wanted to be together forever, but I can't believe he actually was talking about putting a diamond ring on my finger. I don't even remember that. I went through so much trauma with this kid that I just, like, blacked out a lot of it. Ah! My God. So let's fast forward. It is the end of 09. All right, we're about to ring in 2010 very soon in a few days. And of course, we have plans to celebrate New Year's Eve together because we met a year ago on New Year's Eve. We met at a New Year's Eve party, so New Year's Eve was always special for us. And I was, of course, very excited, you know, going to a new year, new, new, um, new energy, whatever. And I don't know when, but at some point, I don't know how long he was there, but he was away in Quebec, so a province away, going skiing with his bestie that I met at that New Year's Eve party, that dark-haired guy. That is such a great influence. I don't know if he's with his family. Maybe not. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. He was in, what matters is that he was in an entire different province on a skiing trip with his BFF that I made out with nearly a year ago prior. And (laughs) he was coming back home the same, like New Year's Eve, on New Year's Eve day. And then that night we were going to go out and I don't know exactly what our plans were, but he was coming home that exact same day. But roughly around like three days before New Year's Eve, I get a text. And I don't remember word for word, but I know I remember it was very blunt. There was no emotion. And it was just simple and not lengthy at all. Just like a one-liner. And it was something along the lines of, I can't do this anymore. It's over. Or just, it's over, I can't do this anymore. Something like that. And that was it. And I was kind of like, what? <laughs> and I was trying to like ask what's going on. Like, what What are you talking about? What do you mean? But he would, he refused to talk to me. And instead, I ended up talking to his best friend. Let's call him uh, Mojo. <laughs> So I'm talking to Mojo and I'm like, uh, why are you talking to me? Why are you talking on behalf of Mike? I want to talk to Mike. And Mojo's like, oh yeah, Mike's not, he was either like saying shit like, oh yeah, like Mike's not here right now or Mike doesn't want to talk to you. Um, and I was like, hello, I am not being broken up with like this. First of all, via text message, that's a huge No. And not only just is it via text message, I don't get any explanation, and you're in an entire different province. 
And you just text me? It's over. That's it? I don't even get to see you? I don't get to ask why? I don't I get to ask what happened? Ah. Oh, I was livid. Because, and I also didn't even believe it. I was like, this is some kind of sick joke, right? Like, after everything we just went through, and you're away on a ski trip, what the heck could have happened? What the hell did Mojo do to convince Mike to just drop everything? Drop the girl of his dreams he was about to put a diamond, not about to, but going to in the future, put a diamond ring on her finger. Like, what the hell happened on this ski trip? So in those three days, I was like, no, I am not being treated like this. I am not going to be broken up in this way. I at least deserve to see this person in real life face to face. You can give me that. You are going to see me and speak to me directly and tell me that it is over. I don't need Mojo over here being like, yeah, it's done. I need you to look me in my face, in my eyes, into my soul, the person that you say you love, and tell them you don't want it anymore. Of course, though, Mike said no to that. Mojo said no to that, too, on behalf of Mike. So I had to come up with my own plan because I wasn't just going to... I wasn't going to accept that. I couldn't. I couldn't just accept that and then go on with my life. He was my life. He was my whole life. He was my whole world. I loved this person so much and he loved me and everything was perfect. Everything was fine. We had worked through things. That There was just that random breakup earlier that I talked about. But like other than that, like we were fine. And he left and went on the ski trip and things were normal. So I was like, there's no way I'm just going to carry on into the new year and and accept that as a breakup it didn't sit right with me and so I had to come up with my own plan <laughs> God, this is so this is like a, now this is where it gets to be like a movie again okay so he gets home New Year's Eve day right and on that day, I had to... So I didn't let my parents know what happened. I didn't tell them about um, this, the phone calls with Mojo. I didn't tell them that Mike texted me in Quebec and broke up with me. I didn't tell them anything. I had to, you know, put on a mask and pretend everything was fine. Pretend that I still had New Year's Eve plans with Mike so that they would drive me to his house on that day. And so... Oh, wait, backtrack a little bit. I do remember, actually. Because I had to formulate this plan, I was thinking about, like, the worst-case scenario and such. So he wasn't actually on the ski trip with his family because I was like, okay, worst-case scenario, his mom or dad is home, his parents are home, and I'm going to have to show up there, and I don't know if he has told them or not. So worst-case scenario is, like, I knock on their door, they don't let me in, and my dad's like, uh, what the hell? (laughs) And I have to walk back to the car and I don't get to see Mike. Or they do let me in and they don't know. And like, I don't know. The worst case for me was like someone was going to be home. I wanted no one to be home. And I was like trying to guess when Mike would arrive home. Like I calculated how many hours it would take to drive because they drove. I was like shaking. I was so nervous because I had this whole plan in my head. My dad has no idea. And um, oh gosh, my cat's eating. I'm going to. I hope you don't hear that. Okay, so we pull up to the house and 
my dad is the kind of person who's like, he doesn't, he want he wants to make sure I'm safe. And he usually, when he drops me off places, waits till I get inside and we wave goodbye. And then he drives off. And I, I think I remember saying to my dad, like, cause I knew he would want to wait there as he always does. Oh, my cat's distracting. Hold on. And not only does he like wait for me to get inside, he will circle around back. I know that's what my dad does. He'll circle around back and make sure I actually got in to the place. I think he was sensing something too. I don't know. But also I was like second, like the best scenario would be I arrive and Mike arrived home and I can go in. I'll be like, look, my dad's here. Like, just let me in. Let me talk to you for a little bit. And then I'll call him and he'll pick me up. Um, the, like I, the second worst case scenario would be like, I arrive and no one is home. And then I'm like, I'd be like, oh shit, like, what do I do? And how long am I waiting? Cause I wouldn't know. And it's snowy and cold outside. I'm in Ontario. Like it's pretty cold there in, in at the end of December and January. And, uh, and I was like, my, I know my dad's going to circle back. So anyway, what happened is I get up to the door Honestly, like, I can't tell this story without distractions right now. Niagara Falls, Ontario. Hello? Hello? Okay, I am so sorry. I apologize. Also, why is my past following me? That's Ontario. That's where the story took place. <laughs> okay, so we're back at the door. I knock or ring the doorbell. I don't remember. Nobody answers. And I'm like, shit, okay, I'll just... I'll pretend that I'm texting Mike and try to shoo my dad away because (laughs) clearly nobody is home and uh, I don't, I haven't thought about what I would do in this scenario. I just know that I cannot be standing at the front door when my dad circles back. So I'm like pretending to text Mike and I like shoo my dad. I'm like, bye. And I'm like, I text him, I think, or something. And I say like, dad, this is embarrassing. I don't want you to just like watching. Can you just go? It's a bit creepy. (laughs) Like I say something like that, just something that'll get him to leave for like, two minutes so I can go and hide. So he leaves and I run to the side of the house and I squat down behind like a bush on the side of the house and I'm watching and I'm waiting and there's my dad's car circling back around to the front and he and then he just goes away and then he finally leaves but I knew he was gonna circle back and check. Luckily though I knew he was gonna do that because I know my dad and I was hiding. He's gone. Phew! Now I can get on with the situation at hand. I am at his house. He's not there. No one's there. It's freezing outside. I don't know when he's going to even be home. He won't talk to me. Ah, I think I eventually got their attention by saying, by actually saying like, I'm at your house and I'm waiting here until you get back because he wasn't responding to me. And I didn't want to tell him that I was at his house. I wanted it to just be a surprise and like, hello, I'm here. But like, because if I tell him I'm at your house, I had a feeling he was going to try to avoid me. And that's exactly what he was saying. He's like, okay, well, if if you're at my house, I'm not coming home. You might as well just leave kind of thing. But I was like, he has to come back home. You're coming back from a skiing trip. You're going to end up back at home and you're going to go out for New Year's. So I know you're going to be home at some point. I was like, I am not leaving until I see you. Like, I'm not leaving your house. I was like, I'm freezing. I am outside in the snow and I'm waiting here for you. It's like, it's, this isn't fair. Like, I just want to talk to you. But again, he stops talking to me and I have to communicate with Mojo over the phone. And they're basically just telling me to leave. And I was not going to leave. I was, I wasn't having it, but they were just saying like, it's over. Like, there's nothing to talk about. 
like he's not changing his mind. They were, oh yeah, they were telling me, they were, they made sure I knew that his mind was made up and it was not changing no matter what I did. And seeing me in person was not going to change his mind. This is also why I was so confused. How like you're madly in love with me one day and then you go on a skiing trip and what happened? What happened to make you suddenly so certain that you're not going to change your mind? It was so strange to me. And time goes on. I'm there for like hours outside, like maybe like two hours goes by and I start like breaking down crying because I'm like, shit, this is actually real. He's not going to get back together with me. He's made up his mind, even when, even when he arrives home. And I just start breaking down crying and I'm shivering. I'm so cold. I'm hungry. I even like packed a bag hoping that his mind would change and we would still go out and have fun. And this was a whole big misunderstanding. <laughs> but that was not the case. Oh, also, this was also even more hurtful was I heard them laughing on the phone. As I'm crying and, like, begging to see Mike. How insensitive and horrible can you be? But anyway, the neighbor actually ends up spotting me. I don't know if it's because she heard me crying or she saw me. I can't remember. Um, And then she brings me inside of her house because I'm shivering to death. And I explained to her what's going on. I'm like, it's just a misunderstanding. And I'm like trying to like say like, it's fine. I just need to see Mike. I just need to see him. I need to wait till they're back. And she's like, okay, okay, just wait here. And we'll wait until they're back. And they get home. I don't know. Um, I don't remember the details, but I do know that the neighbor I was with called them and was like, hey, I have someone here that you know, and that needs to see Mike, or Mike needs to see, and she needs to go over there with you, and yeah, she's like, and she explained that I was like, sitting out shivering in the snow, and she found me there, (laughs) god, how embarrassing, I had no other option though, (laughs) like, I had no other option, there was gonna be no other way I could see him, I had to do this, and so anyway, I go in the house, into Mike's house, And I embarrassingly put on this, like, slideshow of memories of us and basically, like, tried to convince him and did what he did when he was begging me back, basically. And I tried to beg him back, and I was explaining to him, like, we were made for each other, we're soulmates, this and that, and it God. And I put so much work into this damn slideshow. And he was not budging, like, no emotion. And he basically just, like, got his mom involved so that she can kick me out of the house. And was like, it's time to, like, call your parents and call your dad to come pick you back up. And, yeah, I had to call my dad and be like, yeah, Mike broke up with me. Can you pick me up? And that was the saddest, loneliest New Year's of my life. And you you know what else is really sad about this situation is... We were both virgins when we met, and Mike told me he wanted to wait until marriage to have sex, and I agreed. I was like, okay, yeah, because I didn't like to jump into sexual things right away with somebody. I don't like to do that. So I I was on board. I was like, yeah, I'll wait till marriage to have sex with you, even though I was horny as fuck, and I wanted to just bang him because, mm, turned me on a lot. (laughs) Anyway... Um, 
yeah, we hadn't had sex because I was waiting for him for marriage because he wanted to do that. But guess what? After he breaks up with me, I hear from through the grapevine that Mike has been just on a killing spree, like upping his, they called, we called it a kill count. So he was like fucking random people all the time, just going, going off and having sex with random girls. And that stabbed me so deeply in the heart. You can go off and have meaningless sex with random women, but you can't have sex with the one that you love. How does that make any sense? God, that hurt me so much. (sighs) Wow. Gonna take a breather here. You guys still listening? Well, if you're still listening, thank you for listening to this story. I, I don't even know if I've really told this whole story about this first love of mine. And it messed me up because... I was in denial for the first little bit. And during that first week of January, I experienced three losses. So I lost Mike, which felt like a death because he was suddenly gone and he was my best friend and the person I loved most in the world and who I spoke to the most. And I spoke to him every single day, all the time. He was suddenly gone. My Bubba, which is my grandma, she passed away January 6th, six days after New Year's. And my dog, my childhood dog, also passed away, I think, in the time that Mike was in, like, away skiing. So all within, like, a week-ish, I lost my dog, the love of my life, and my Bubba. And I didn't know how to grieve. I didn't know how to cope. No, I didn't. There's no rule book or guidebook for this. And I'm so young. And... It fucked me up. And what what fucked me up even more was the fact that, like, the, the months and years following, for, like, at least two more years, Mike and I would be, would, like, we would bump into each other at bars and stuff, and he would purposely try to make me jealous and just, like, hit on girls in front of, in front of me and stuff like that. And I was like, I was not about that. I was like, what the hell? You've hurt me so much already. Do you need to do any more damage? But I would still continuously, like, take him back. He would text me and be like, man, we were stupid or I was stupid. Like, do you want to, like, hang out? We should we should hook up and, well, not hook up as in, like, sex. Hook up as in, like, we should hang out again. And we do and I take him back and I get hurt again. And it's like a cycle that kept on happening. Because I just kept believing that, like, right person, wrong time. And maybe the next time will be the right time. I don't know, but... It messed me up and I just fell into like this deep, dark depression and anxiety and everything. And it literally screwed over my 20s. It screwed over my next relationship, which was the most important relationship. And I I will never, I don't know if I'll ever forgive myself for that one. But it like, it, it started everything. Like after that breakup, I just went downhill. I spiraled and like dove into alcohol and alcohol was my, my, the way I coped. Like I, I numbed myself through alcohol. I healed through alcohol. I didn't know how, I didn't know what else to do. I just partied. All I did was party, numb myself and drink. And I lost people through that. And 
I lost my studies and I flunked out of university and everything. I don't want to say like, I don't want to blame him. Like I, I, I am taking responsibility too. I had choices I could have made differently, but the way I was treated, I just, I didn't know what else to do at that age. I didn't know how I didn't have the tools to get past that. I didn't know any better. I was so hurt and I was so in love. And that was my first love my first real heartbreak. And it, it like, it really messes you up. Yeah. Looking back, I just have so much, I just feel so much for that young me. I, I just wish I knew, I, I wish I knew better. And I wish I listened to my friends at the time. I never did. I wish I never took him back. I wish I never gave him any more of my time after I was treated the way I was. Ugh. But yeah, that's the story of my first love and how the breakup went down. You left a wound on my heart that uh, it's going to be tattooed there forever, but scars are beautiful in their own little way, aren't they? I guess. I don't know. Anyway, I can only forgive myself and forgive you to move forward. I don't even know why I'm speaking to you now directly. But if anyone else has gone through this, you know you know what it's like. And it's so hard to forgive yourself for being so naive when you're young and stupid. But yeah, that's the story of my first love. And, and, yep. I don't know if you thought that story was, if you think I am, I don't know. It was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. I am glad. I feel, I feel weight though off my shoulders having told it. I just felt like it needed to be told eventually and seeing number 19 come up, it was like, all right, today's the day. This has taken a long time to record. All right. <laughs> that, oh, it just feels so good to actually just you know, just speak how things happened and actually say things from my point of view. I don't know if I ever get to really do that. And this is the one chance I finally get to say stuff without someone stopping me or I don't know. I don't have my memoir out, right? So this is my, my form of like telling my story right now, I guess. Or stories, because I have so many stories to tell. I did not think I was going to cry today, but I did. That's okay. Tears are good. Feel your feelings. Okay. Have a marvelous Thursday or whatever whatever day it is that you're listening to this episode. I hope your day is beautiful. And I hope you learn to forgive yourself. I'm still learning how to forgive myself. Sending you oodles of love from here in the mountains to wherever you are. Thank you.